This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. This is episode 22 of Strength Agenda Radio featuring elite U.S. shot putter and top-level super heavyweight lifter, Kurt Jensen. And if you thought you were strong, listen to the numbers this guy casually puts up in the gym, and it'll put a few things about your training into perspective. Today's question comes from Facebook. We don't get too many questions from there, so when we do, I want to feature them. By the way, guys and gals, please keep these coming. If I don't answer them for the current season that we have going on, I hold on to them and I'll try to find, you know, uh, an episode on a later season or another project that we're working on that I can incorporate these questions on. Um, either way, you know, you submit questions that you want to get answered, they're going to get answered. So please keep them coming. Anyways, today's question is this. Hey, Tom, love the podcast and your guests, but I hear about all the things these folks are doing, and I just don't get how some of you guys find time and energy to have all these things going on at once. There are some days when I get home, and the last thing I want to do is go train, and I even have a pretty sweet garage gym set up because I thought the convenience of being able to train on my time would give me the kick I need, but sadly, it hasn't. Any help with finding motivation to get after it day in and day out? So, start this off with a little bit of story time. You know, back in the day, I was hell-bent on being an NFL player. My dad signed me up for peewee football in second grade, and I played all the way through one year of college ball. Obviously, that plan didn't work out, but it's cool. No hard feelings. But there's one game in particular that always sticks out in my mind, and I tell this from time to time to some of my athletes, friends, anybody who's, you know, willing to listen. But it changed, you know, my mind on how I approach any challenge that comes my way. Um, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I think I was fifth or sixth grade, I believe, and I was a starter on the A squad. Um, we had our JV and our varsity team. Uh, I was on the JV's team with the A squad. Um, but our B squad, they had a scrimmage that was set up with another team, and they were short a few players. So the head coach told me after practice that I had to go to the game and play with them. Um, being an A squad you know, player, I was appalled. I was mad. I hemmed and hawed the whole way to the game you know, because I didn't want to play with the B players. And my dad just kind of rolled his eyes and drove me to the game anyways. Game starts and I'm playing on defense, and the offensive line is pretty much doing anything they can to throw me off. They're holding onto my jersey as I'm trying to run to the ball carrier. They trip me if they were, you know, they were on the ground. They'd grab my leg and trip me, take my feet out from underneath me. Um, they'd pull me down by my fat face mask, and you name it, it was happening to me. I started crying to my teammates, the refs, the coaches, and pretty much anybody that would listen to me. My dad was sitting up in the stands, and he heard all this bellyache, and he came down to the sideline and just asked what's going on. So I started to tell him what was going on. And, you know, before I can get my second sentence in, he stops me, you know, looks me square in the eye and he places his fist directly in my chest. He says, if that's what they're going to do, then so be it. My question to you is what are you going to do about it? The point of the story is this. We all have that one thing, that, that thing that can easily derail us from our goals. Whether it's a project at work, training, or it's a hobby that you enjoy, there's always going to be something that is going to say, no, you can't, and it's going to stop you dead in your track and blow the whole plan to smithereens. But at the end of the day, it's really you that's stopping you from doing what you want to get done. In this world, you don't, you don't have to get anything done. You get to get things done. The mind is a powerful weapon, and you can either use it for good or you can use it for bad. The choice is yours. So find out what's stopping you. Assess the issue. Find a solution that can work, and find a way to get the job done. To quote the wise Yoda, do or do not. 
there is no try. Now the choice is yours. Is it going to be day one or one day? Now give me two claps and a Ric Flair. Welcome to Strength Agenda Radio, boys and girls. Today's guest is probably somebody I consider one of the strongest athletes you probably don't know about, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, my guest today is he is a national level weightlifter. He's also one of the best shot putters in the country, if not probably the world, because if you're good in this country, you are good in the world. My guest today is Kurt Jensen. So what's going on, my man? Oh, not too much, Tom. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So for people who don't know who you are, let's just give us a little bit of background. Kind of talk, talk about like where you grew up, uh, high school, which you did in high school in terms of sports, uh, college, and then, you know, where you are, you know, how, how you got to the your current position that you're in. Because you're in a, in a pretty unique position, I would think, in terms of uh, in terms of athletic achievements and what you're, you're, you're kind of pushing for. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I grew up in a really small town in Illinois, uh, Atkinson, Illinois. My hometown's about 900 people. I went to Geneseo High School, which for those people that are in Illinois probably know it's a pretty pretty big football school. Yeah. Uh, I did I did track and field and football. I actually did track two years, freshman and senior year. Football all four years, and I wrestled my senior year as well. Um, I was kind of a better football player than a track athlete, but right at the end of my senior year, I started throwing quite a bit better. Still is nowhere near one of the best in the state or yeah. anything, but – threw quite a bit better and, and made state and decided to go that route collegiately. Um, went to Illinois state university, competed there, uh, for four years. I was there five years. I redshirted what would have been my senior year to come back for a senior year and, uh, ended up being a, a few time all American there. And, uh, threw about 11 feet further collegiately than I did with the high school shot, but that was 12 pounds. So. so in high school, what was your best throw? Uh, about 57 feet. Okay, so that you were a 68-foot shot putter in college. That's pretty dang good in college. Um, where did you end up finishing? Like, what was your best finish? Because that has to put you, like, at least top five. Um, actually, at Nationals, so I, I guess I threw 67 in college and 56 and it was 56 okay. and 67. And uh, at Nationals, I ended up in eighth place. I was first-team All-American, both indoors and outdoors. Yeah. But, I mean, this year has even been bigger. But uh, that year was that I threw – at nationals, I threw 64 feet, okay. and that was, at the time, that was the best national meet there had ever been, um, and it just keeps going on the up and up. Yeah, I, I heard this year was probably, like, top to bottom, one of the more stacked national, um, stacked, stacked national, like, uh, uh, competitions in terms of all the throwing events, even the hammer, discus, and all that stuff, and it's just kind of, I don't know, I, I think we're in this age of everybody's trying to one-up the next person. I think when you have stuff like social media and people can post their throws, post their lifts, you know, post all the different stuff that they're doing, like it's just kind of, it's turning into a big one-up contest. And it's actually, you know, that's a that's a benefit of social media because it's just pushing people, you know, to and past levels that, you know, just were thought unattainable. Like I know that, I think there was a kid, um, I haven't had a chance to look at the results yet, but so you can correct me if I'm wrong. Was there not a kid from Georgia that he won, uh, he won hammer and he won shot, uh, and then there he, was, did, he, did he win discus too, or did he just win the the hammer and the shot? He actually didn't throw the discus. I don't think he threw it at regionals, but I mean, he was okay. one of the top ten ranked guys in the country. But yeah, it's on the up and up. I mean, that year that I redshirted before my senior year, sixty four feet was third in the NCAA. Yeah. So this the same exact distance that I threw yeah. actually at NCAA's the following year was the eighth. So that just and it, it's grown since then. This year. 
Um, it took 20 meters, so in American terms, about 65-6 to get top eight for first-team All-American. That's insane. That's insane. So, um, you know, I, you were one of those throwers that, like, I remember following, like, reading up on you and stuff like that when you were at Illinois State. Like, you were, you know, I'm, I'm an Illinois guy. You're an Illinois guy. And you were probably one of the better throwers in the state, probably the best thrower in the state at that time. And then I kind of got away from throwing for a little bit, got involved in weightlifting. And that's where I, I started talking to Dane Miller a little bit because he was kind of, um, when I was kind of finishing up with weightlifting, he was getting going in it himself. Um, and at the time, he was one of very few people to qualify for senior nationals in both, um, in the same year, in both weightlifting and um, track and field. Um, one of the very few people. And he kept telling me about, you know, it's Curtis Jensen, it's Curtis Jensen. Like, he is a freak if USAW would figure out a way to get him involved in weightlifting, like he would tear things up. And I was like, yeah, he's a thrower, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be good. And then I finally got to see you lift at, uh, well, Mike Atone had told me about you. And he had said that you were coming up to visit and that, you know, you, you power snatched 145 or something like that. And I'm thinking, you know, like a typical power snatch, like right at, you know, parallel, whatever. And then I finally get to see you lift at the, um, was his Mid-Americans last year, right, in October? That was the meeting you came yep. up with, right in, in Schaumburg? That was the one, yep. And you power snatched, and when I say power snatched, like you pretty much caught it with straight legs. Uh, 150, I believe. And then you power clean and a tall jerk. I don't, it was, I don't even know what to call what you do because the way you manhandled the weights that you hit. What did you hit in the clean jerk, 195? Uh, I think 185 or 190. Okay. I just um, remember you just manhandling the weights and just and, – and then the, and the, the, the best thing about it was you walked up to me and you said, what's this hook grip thing people keep talking about? Because you and I started talking and stuff like that, and you had never hook gripped anything, which I thought was even more impressive. And, like, you were just a complete newbie to the sport, but, like, you took to it like a, a pig in mud, and it was really cool to see and all that. And then you lifted at the American Open because that was what Mike was trying to get you to, you know, come qualify for the American Open and try to, you know, place a little top ten and all that stuff. So what 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 – kind of motivated you or pushed you a little bit to want to get involved in weightlifting after you know doing you know shot and all that stuff for so long because you're still competing in a shot as a post-collegiate and this year in particular so like backtrack just a little bit this year um you just recently hit a, a, a season's best in a pr in the shot like what are you ranked in the u.s and then what are you ranked in the world right now um i think i just got passed to be third in the u.s and i'm somewhere around i haven't checked in a while but i when I threw that throw, it was the sixth farthest throw in the world. I think it's about seventh or eighth right okay, now. Okay, so what, what was the um, distance for, for those who don't don't follow you or anything uh, like that? Uh, twenty one eighteen, which is sixty nine feet six inches, and then two weeks later, I threw sixty sixty nine feet even, and then another week later, I threw sixty nine four. So I'm kind of knocking on that magical seventy foot door that's oh uh, hopefully going to open. Yeah, that's going to be awesome to see. And you're sitting third in the U.S., and that's kind of the lucky little that there are the, that's like the lucky number to be like our top three this year right or yeah because we don't have the defending world champ anymore right well this year's not a world year so this year is actually a world cup year so only one guy from the u.s goes to the oh, world cup but then Chris, we have, i didn't even know that i wasn't paying attention but then we have uh the NACAC, which i don't exactly remember what that stands for it's north american caribbean something oh, okay that's a team and then and then I believe we have Pan Ams this year too. So okay. kind of the top five, okay. the top five guys at USA's will get to, they'll get to pick the meets. Usually the winner will pick the world cup and then yeah, yeah. the other guys kind of 
dispersed between the other uh, two meets. That's still you're still in a good position to make that happen. That'd be really cool to see. But what about weightlifting or what about competing in a different sport? Like what 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 made you do that? I, I that that's something that always intrigues me. Like being at the top of one sport and then deciding like, hey, I want to try to push for like the top of another because it's very hard to be good at one sport, let alone two. So what just kind of what kind of brought you to that to that you know, epiphany that you wanted to give weightlifting a go? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, Mike, Mike Gatone and uh, Piros kind of reached out to me and they actually came up to visit me and talk to me about it a little bit. Uh, they had heard about me from someone or another. I, I would assume Dane. Yeah, I know I, I'm not. I'm pretty sure it was I, Dane because that was who that, I was not that was who Gatone referenced when I talked to him about you. Yeah, I was not very active on social media or anything, so I would think it was probably Dane because most other people wouldn't have known that. Yeah. And they, they kind of got a hold of me and um, you know, Mike kind of persistently texted me a while and it was something I thought I had thought about before, but, uh, the previous year was my first year last year throwing the Olympic a standard and, and really starting to have a breakthrough in the, in the shot. So, I mean, it had it been two years before that, I, I probably would have jumped in a little bit more aggressively, mm-hmm. but at that time where I was, it wasn't, I, and where I am now, it's not like I can give up one. So I told him, you know, I'd get in there and try it out and well, yeah, yeah. that first meet, that first meet was off about a week of training and then yeah. uh you know a couple i don't know five or six more weeks and i went to yeah because uh, the american open the american open you ended up finishing what like six i believe yeah i think so around six six or seven that, that's awesome yeah and i mean for your first time at a national meet like that i mean granted that was after the world championship so across the board it was a little bit depleted in terms of you know all our big guns competing at that competition. That's still really good. And especially in the super heavyweights, our super heavyweights is always a pretty good group of lifters and stuff like that. And, and there weren't any big names. I don't think missing outside of maybe Cameron Swart uh, from the super heavyweights. Like Kane was there. James Moser was there and you had a lot of big guys lifting and stuff like that. So it was really cool to see you, you know, shake it up with all those guys. But so it's it, well. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out the best way to, to formulate this. So it's obvious that you play with a deck of cards that a lot of people in the world don't have access to. Like, and I'm talking about just your general strength. Um, there are lifts that you put up that I just sit there and just shake my head at. And uh, you know, obviously, I'm double tapping it on Instagram because it's amazing. Um, what is your training background like? How did you like? Have you always just been one of those strong guys, or did you have somebody that kind of you know brought you up in a, in a certain training methodology? Like, how did you get to where you are current strength levels? Because I think I mean I don't know too much about like in season high competitive like shop with training, but I feel like you lift pretty heavy during the season. Um, it may not be as frequently throughout like an entire week or month or you know training block or whatever, but I still feel like you were putting up some pretty impressive numbers, even though you're in the midst of your competition season. So like, how did you, how, what, what goes into that? Like what got you to this point that you're at, that you're putting up some ridiculous numbers, like just to, to, to give a few things, like you posted a video today of you doing a five, four, a 542 pound. Was it a double on the bench press? Yeah. And then uh, the squatting, I know you, you repeatedly um, will post videos of you doing like 700 plus pounds in the back squat and stuff like that. So just what, give us a little bit of insight in terms of your training and stuff like that. Like what kind of a methodology do you follow? Does anybody program for you? Do you do it yourself and stuff like that? Um, I So I kind of conversed a little bit last year and I still talked to him a little bit uh, with John Smith, who's a throws coach at Old Miss. He's kind of a throws guru throughout the throughout the country right. uh just um because i train around two working two jobs i work a full-time and a part-time job and i was trying to figure out a way to to get the most out of the time yeah. that i spend in the weight room and in the ring 
And essentially I have, and even, even before that, I never really spent as much time in the weight room as people might think. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like in the off season, it's two hard days a week. Yeah. And by two hard days, I mean, I don't, I don't spend a third day in the weight room at all. Yeah. And then during, during season, it's, it's basically one hard day and one light day. Yeah. And w- one thing that I've kind of found over, over the years is a, as you get stronger, your central nervous system takes a little bit more of a beating. Oh, yeah. So when you can't, I mean, you can't train at those high levels that you could when you were younger. Um, that's both the age coming into play, you know, yeah. and the tonnage coming into play, along with the fact that you're not producing the same natural testosterone that you were when you were 18, 19, 20 years old. Right. So, and, and I think what, what puts a lot of people at fault, especially uh, new to, new to any sort of weightlifting, any sort of strength sport, whether it be strongman or weightlifting or powerlifting is they, they train based off of methodologies that were set in kind of that seventies, eighties, mm-hmm. really heavy steroids era. Yeah. And uh, it's, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work for a clean athlete. So you have to adjust your training accordingly. And I auto-regulate, you know, if something hurts, I will, if, I mean, I can, you know, you can tell the difference between soreness and pain. Oh, if God, something yeah. hurts, oh, God, yeah. I will make, I'll make a change that day uh, to work around it. So that way I can, I can heal that up or, or attack that injury how, how I need to. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where a little bit less is more. Yeah. Um, but is there some of the, is there any, is there any, method of training or program type that you follow closely like anything like conjugate conjugate just like straight linear periodization or any besides john smith like i i i i know one of my buddies um he's now the head throws coach at carthage college he was a multiple time all-american himself he actually um interned under john smith when he was down at uh or ga i'm sorry not intern he ga'd under yeah, john and yeah greg Ramundi. yeah absolutely um, oh, I know Greg. And he was, you know, he was showing me all the stuff that they do and all that stuff. And I, I, I've always liked what John, like I started, you know, reading a lot of the articles and stuff like that, that John was putting out when he was over at Ohio State working with Dan Taylor and all that. Um, so is, but, but is there anything that you would say he kind of follows a little bit more in terms of like um, a mainstream methodology or is this something that just completely his own? Like, I know he's a big push-pull advocate. That was one thing I took away, you know, from the way he trained, especially when it came to uh, stuff he would put out about Dan Taylor's training back in, like, the early 2000s and stuff like that. So, like, is there any of that stuff that you directly incorporate or do you just kind of, like you said, like auto-regulate, like you you, you push what, feet, what you can and you rest what's, you know, hurting and stuff like that or you just kind of take it, like, a, a week or a day at a time? Yeah, I mean, I would say his methodology doesn't really parallel anything else that's out there. Um, it's it's quite a bit different, but but essentially, I front load my training every week, especially yeah. during the season. I'll adjust it out a little bit uh, during the off season to where like I might do more heavy lifting on a Monday or a Tuesday, right? And then again on a Friday. But but during season, I try to do most of that like on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and that's just it's just so I'm set up to throw well on the weekends. Like can recover out well on oh, the weekends absolutely. to be able to throw on a Saturday. But aside from that, I mean. I, you know, it's, it's pretty standard of any strength sport, a lot of high volume early, early in the season or in the off season and then taper that volume. But right. the thing is I taper that volume and I don't taper percentages. Like some guys, I, yeah. I, the way that I'm wired, I have to be under a pretty heavy load almost all the time. Um, it just, right. it, I, I lose feel for the implement and I, I don't feel comfortable if I don't feel strong. No, that's, I mean, there, there's some people that are like, I have a weightlifter that's like that at the gym. Um, it's, we have tried, um, a couple different meat preps in terms of like, you know, gradually building up volume and intensity and stuff like that. And like, it sounds weird, but if he is not touching a heavy barbell, at least like eight weeks out, like his meat prep just goes complete the shit. 
And so I have to, he's, he's, he's been training with me. He's been training long enough that we know this is just how we want. He's wired. So, you know, that is his, like a lot of the lifters can't, you know, hold that kind of an intensity for a long period of time. They can't hold eight weeks worth of high intensity work. So that's really like, it's really cool to me to hear athletes at the top, because there are some athletes that you talk to that they have no clue how they do what they do. Like, it's kind of like the whole Michael Jordan complex, you know? Um, Michael Jordan was a really good basketball player, but he what, isn't that great of a coach. Um, and obviously, I, I mean, not obviously, but from what I've seen, he's not that great of an owner either, but that's a different <laughs> topic for a different day. But you understand, you know, what is going to work for you and what's not going to work for you. So that's really cool to see. Now, what about your throwing? Um, I see you posting different stuff about different weighted implements and stuff like that. Now, is there anybody in particular that you kind of got that work from, or how, how do you structure your throws training? Now, obviously, your your throws training is different than your weight training because the weight training is, you know, a supplement because your goal is to throw farther. So, how do you structure your throws training? You know, in, out of season versus in season. Uh, the structure pretty much holds the same. It's just the volume, and actually, I kind of peak that volume out. I would say early early to the middle of outdoor season mm -hmm. and then and then i'll taper that volume off but I, I throw everything from a 20 pound down to a 6k which is you know 13.3 pounds i believe and yeah. pretty much every one pound increment in between um nice. i try to the, the way that functions best for me is front load my heavier implements closest to my workout so if i'm doing a really heavy workouts on sundays yeah then mondays i'm throwing really heavy implements because nice. i just I just react better to that. And right. typically I'm too tight to throw light stuff because uh, I know you have a throwing background. So as you know, if you're really tight, uh, you, you can't really hold an implement back and you get a light implement and it's already run. It wants to run ahead of you already. So you oh, got to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, so, you got to do something to adjust to it. So here's my question to you. When I feel like now in particular, but I mean, it probably could have been, I just wasn't paying attention when I was in college and stuff like that. Um, and even probably before that, but I feel like now, like it is, pretty much the norm to be throwing all sorts of different weighted implements like i know when i was in college like we had kind of started to dabble into it but it, we didn't have like a really structured throws program like we had a, a a friend of ours who was recommended by somebody else to take over our throws program and he kind of started introducing us to like especially in stuff like hammers like we would put you know like uh, change plates over the wire to add weight to the hammer or we would do the same thing with the girl's hammer to kind of give us a light implement and stuff like that and uh with shots was the same thing we'd order a 14 pound shot a 12 pound shot stuff like that um, but I feel like now, like almost any respectable program, like implements the different, you know, weighted um, um, shots and discs and hammers and stuff like that. Do you think that's that's accurate as well? Or do you think that just always has been a thing? And now with like the, the, the bigger, you know, reach of shared knowledge, like more people are just exposed to it and starting to do it and post about it and talk about it and stuff. Oh, for <laughs> It's a little bit of both for sure. I think I, I think they did it in the past, but I. I think especially the really heavy stuff people yeah. didn't do nearly as much of as, as what I've seen in the last, you know, 10 years yeah. or so people doing a lot of the heavier stuff. A lot of guys would throw really light stuff for 14 yeah. and six K's and even 12 just because it's, it's an ego thing, you know, let's see how far I can throw this ball. But yeah, right. um, yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is it, it accelerates the adaptation phase in your technique is mm -hmm. throwing all those different weighted implements. They all have a different purpose. And they all do a, a lot of different things for you and teach you a lot of different things, teach your body how to move in different ways. So right, right. I, th I think that adaptation phase is 
greatly accelerated by throwing a lot of different weighted implements. Yeah. I mean, Bonnerchuk was the first person that I really had, like, that I know put information out there about, you know, heavy weighted implements in particular, but also the lighter weighted stuff. Like, and the way he did his training and he structured things is like some of the, some, depending on the heavy lifts or the sessions or whatever, um, those implements actually counted towards like strength training movements based on how heavy they were and stuff like that. And then now, and then I, Dane was another one that started kind of posting stuff on there. So, uh, what percentage would you say of your training is your heavy implements, your comp implements and your light stuff? And do you throw a lot of competition, um, weighted implements? Cause I know Reese Hoffa uh, a couple of years ago, I got to go hang out with him for a little bit in Athens and he said he couldn't tell you the last time he touched a 16 in training. It was always either a heavy or it was a light implement. And, um, he hardly ever touched a 16 except for when it came time for competition. So what, what does that look like for you with your training? It's the same thing, but I throw, I throw heavier than Reese and lighter than Reese, but it's, yeah. I, I do not touch a 16 in training. I have not touched a 16 in training in probably two years. Um, oh, okay. Cool. Just pick it up on a meet and, uh, the, you know, I mean, I throw a 15 in training and a 17 in training, yeah. which are both close, close to the yeah, yeah, 16. Yeah. So I don't, I don't feel the need to throw the 16 in training and in college, that's all I threw, but this adaptation that's happened after college has been from throwing a lot of different weights. So that was my next question in college. Did you throw a lot of different weighted implements or was it mostly just sticking to your comp stuff and just getting a ton of throws in? It was, yeah, it was basically sticking to sticking to the comp stuff. I threw some heavy stuff in the fall. I would throw just an 18, nothing heavier. And then yeah, yeah. Um, as I got closer yeah. to peak, I would throw a little bit of a 14, but it was, it was never always in my training, but now that it's yeah. always in my training to throw those heavy and lights from the start of the year all the way through, um, I I gained a little bit better understanding of, of how to throw them and actually having just time to throw them is just going to make them accelerate that much better. Now, now, do you have a throws coach as well as you obviously like with your training and stuff like that? Or is that also you kind of, you know, mapping things out and kind of figuring out for yourself, basing where you're at in the season, how you're feeling and stuff like that? So I still I still keep in contact with my college coach. Uh, he's not here by any by any stretch or um you know, at my practices, uh, but he was the coach for Andy Bloom. Um, I, don't, yeah. I don't know who Bloom is, but he was Andy Bloom's coach, and, and I have a lot of respect for him from a technical perspective. Andy Bloom, so, Andy Bloom was another freak back in the the late nineties. Oh yeah, but I I'll send I'll send uh, my coach Scott Bennett, my college coach. I'll send him videos every I don't know maybe three weeks or a month and just see what he thinks. But for the most part, it's it's I pretty much self coach, and then. Uh, probably my biggest coach is my training partner, Roger Steen. He was a D3 national champion for UW Eau Claire and him, yeah. and, I tra- him and I trained together. He, he made the Olympic trials in 2016 with me. Um, and that's, cool. that's when I moved to Northern Wisconsin and, um, we started training together right when I moved up here. So any, like nice. he knows my technique is well or better than I do. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Go division three. That's what I threw. Um, so let's talk about some of your weight room numbers. Um, cause I, 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 like I said, I don't know. I, I want people to go follow you on Instagram because that's 90% of the time. I just sit there and watch some of your lifting videos. And stuff. Let's run through some of your, like, what are some of your more impressive lifts that you've done? <laughs> well, cause I have, a, I have a couple, I'm going to list if you don't, but I want to hear, I want to hear what you think are some of your more impressive ones and see if they match up with what I think are some of your more impressive ones. Well, I think it's kind of funny because some of the ones that I think, generally from from a social media perspective that have gotten recognition that people think are the most impressive aren't really lists i spend much time doing yeah i did did that 240 kilo behind the neck jerk and i think that was my ninth that was my ninth jerk ever and yeah i've never 
I've never really tried to build that up that much. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, except for probably when you were doing like competitions and stuff like that, right? Like, or weightlifting competitions. That's probably about the only time you really emphasize the jerk. Because I remember you, I think you might have written that in the caption. You're like, don't do this a lot, but here's what I hit today kind of a deal. And it was 240 kilos and it did not look hard. Like, that's the thing is, like I said, that's why when I say that, when I said at the beginning that you get to play with a, with a, with a deck of cards that nobody gets else gets access to is you just, you make things look easy. Um, so the 240 kilo jerk, what else, uh, what are some gym lifts that you, some big gym lifts that you could? Um, I, I don't even think I posted this. I pulled 800 for five on the deadlift. Um, Jesus. I, well, a couple of weeks ago, I hand cleaned like 450 for, for a triple, but my, yeah. I, I haven't really went heavy in a long time. I, I hand cleaned five, 515 or 520 last year. Um, that was before I had Instagram or anything or before yeah. I really had any social media stuff. And I haven't really pushed that too much. Um, behind the neck push press and from the front push press are both about 230 kilos, uh, right at 500 pounds. And uh, squats getting better. I mean, I, I squatted uh, 300 kilos for six. And I think I haven't pushed that to a max here. I probably will here in a, just a couple months, but that's, what's your, best sing, what's your best single in the back squad? Do you know? Uh, you seven, seven sixty five. Yeah. That's, that's not terrible. But, and then I benched five thirty five last year for a single. I haven't maxed out yet this year. I will. And I think I'll probably be in the five fifty wheelhouse for, uh, bench yeah, press. I would definitely think so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't know about the five five twenty, right? You said five twenty hand clean. Yeah, uh, and I I assume you didn't squat that. You caught that pretty high, didn't you? Yeah, I was just a power clean. Yeah, that's all I. I mean, that's all I've really ever done. So that's, that's all I kind of know. And like uh, my, my clean from the floor is not great. I cleaned two hundred kilos from the floor, but yeah. um, or power cleaned it. But I struggled, and that that was kind of the difficulty for me in weightlifting is I struggled yeah. with yeah. the the regrip. I could catch yeah. it, but I'd lose two fingers off the bar and I couldn't get regrip because from throwing the shot, my wrists are tight. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I either had to basically hold on to the bar with like a tight, firm grip all the way to the top, which was kind of <laughs> unconventional. Yeah, yeah like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really envious of your issues there. Jesus, <laughs> dude. So like I said, what, what, what people are going to want to know. And I, I know the answer to this, but I'm trying to find the best way to phrase the question so you can answer it best. Like, how did you get this strong? Like, what was it? The, was it just always there? Like, I know you said you only train, you know, um, one or two times, you know, a, a week or, you know, three days or whatever like that, but like, or you primarily two times a week, but you know, how did you get to that point? Was there just, was it just always there for you in particular? Um, Cause like you grew up in a farming community, a uh, small town, stuff like that. Like I, I would imagine, you know, you just always have been this strong just based on if anybody ever takes a look at you, like you are a gigantic human being. Um, was there, were, were you like strong in high school or college? Like did your strength take off? Like what was, what, what helped you get to this point that you just go around and make, you know, lifts that people dream of look effortless on certain days. Um, it really I, I was reasonably strong in high school, but definitely nothing special. I mean, I think I squatted maybe 450 pounds in high yeah. school and maybe benched like 330. It was nothing crazy. But for for me, A, I developed in college physically, like maturity-wise. I mean, I grew three inches and yeah. I just fell out a lot. And then I've never hit a plateau in any given lift. And I mean, I'm fortunate for that. 
Yeah. But pretty much if I spend time under the bar, I will continue to get stronger. I don't take supplements. I literally just eat red meat. Yeah, no, I remember, and... I remember talking to you about that at the, I think it was the, the, the uh, whatchamacallit meat. Like you had, to, um, I believe it was Gatone, like held out a cup for you. So you could like spit out your, your chew before you went out yeah. on the platform. Like he was like, spit it out. And you were like, do we have to? Like, it was just it, watching you compete at the uh, Mid-American meet was hysterical because I also <laughs> remember they called you for your first attempt and you turned around and looked at Mike and I and go, what do I do? And Mike's <laughs> yep. like, just go lift the bar. And you're like, oh, okay. And you lifted it, came back like that. And we're like, yeah, just, just like that on straight legs and everything. Because I think at that meet, you went 130, 140, 150 in the snatch. I believe. Yeah. And the only reason I know that is because I had a guy that snatched 135 and it was like competition PR for him and all that. And then here you come power snatching 140 and I'm like, he's going to do more like the, like whatever. But uh, it was just, it was cool to watch and all that stuff. So you also stated that something else that you just brought up at the beginning of this podcast, which I find really interesting. You have jobs, multiple jobs. And what's the deal with that? I thought, you know, being a professional shot putter, like that's your job, man. Like, why do you have jobs and stuff and do other stuff outside of not training and lifting? Um, I think I'm being sarcastic, by the way. Well, well, I mean, to be honest, I think I'm probably the only one ranked in the top 10 in the world that works a full-time job. Uh, I would agree with that 100%, which is uh, even more, in my, in my opinion, it's even more impressive. It's not like a, like a, uh, an excuse type thing for, you know, lack of performances, but you know, anybody that works a regular nine to five job knows how hard that is. And then on top of that, to be one of the best athletes in any sport in the world, on top of holding down a full-time job, like that, that's no small task. So, um, just kind of, yeah, just why? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, so I, I spoke to Reese off when I was a senior in college down at the Tucson elite meet about it a little bit. And what, what he basically told me was when, when he came in, he, when he was done with throwing, he wanted to be further ahead in life than what he was when he started. Right. And at the time I wasn't throwing far enough to be making money and to, to really get sponsorships and do all those things. So I, I set myself up like a, like a regular guy that graduated from college. And to this point, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, I own a home with uh, a lot of toys and my, and truck and everything. And um, my, my girlfriend, obviously she supports it too, but uh, I, so I work full-time at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire as a project coordinator and uh, part-time for Porter Athletics slash Gill Track and Field uh, as a project manager for them. And then I'm uh, an assistant coach for – or a volunteer assistant coach for UW-Eau Claire, the throws group. So I, I keep my plate pretty full, but the nice thing is it keeps me moving. I don't I don't have much downtime. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my sleep time is pretty limited. A lot of people I, – I, I learned that, at t- that how to ad- adapt to that. Sorry. Yeah. how to adapt to that when I was, uh, when I graduated college, you know, and pretty much I'm pretty typical night for me is about four and a half to five and a half hours of sleep. And I've just, I've just grown into it. So yeah. you get yeah. used to it and you deal with it. And you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to have to show up and compete, I can, you know, drink an energy drink or whatever and be ready to go, you know, get some caffeine in me and yeah. be ready to go. Yeah. Like I, I'm always on my athletes and stuff like that about getting enough sleep and all that stuff. But I, that's the one piece of advice I don't listen to myself. I'm, I'm very similar to you. I'm about five, six hours a night of sleep. Um, and it just, it's really cool to hear just you staying busy because, you know, I feel like in this day and age in particular, and this isn't a knock on anybody that does this, but you get all these, these, these circumstances that have to be just right for their performance. 
Um, and it, 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 in some respects, it's gotten worse. Like you got the people that like, it, like I'm using weightlifting as a reference. Um, people will complain about a bar not spinning enough, or if you don't have illegal equipment, or if the chalk, you don't like the chalk or the, t- the tape isn't just right that you're using for your thumb or any of these little things. And I just, I feel like, um, that, that, that gritty athlete is a dying breed that, that kind of athlete that's just going to walk in and be like, what are we doing today? Okay, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I don't have my shoes, but don't worry about it. Let's we'll, we'll get it done anyways. Kind of a deal. Like I just I feel like that kind of an athlete is a dying breed, and it's really refreshing to see somebody like you getting it done at the top level that has that kind of a mentality. Like I just I love like I, I wish you'd get a little bit more sleep because it probably help a lot more with your recovery and feel all banged up. But you do you. If you're you're adjusted to it, you're adjusted to it, and as long as you keep kicking ass and it's allowing you to continue to kick ass, like who am I to tell you what to do? Um, I think you're, I think you're, I mean, I think I'm on the same page as you. I, when I graduated, you know, and you kind of lose all those amenities that you had in college, those weight rooms, those training staff. So, I mean, I know a lot of guys who go to a chiropractor once a week. I've been to a chiropractor once in my life and I didn't like it (laughs) because, you know, and I don't have any train. If something hurts, I Google it, WebMD it, or, you know, ice it usually, and just kind of take care of it that way. I mean, the gym that I train at, is it's got two racks and it's the town that I live in now up in Northern Wisconsin is about 2,800 people. And it's just a, a really small, you know, local commercial gym and, yeah. and, but we make do with it. So as long as we can make do and there's enough weight in there, we can, we can make it happen. That's awesome. And it's, it's also going to, it's also going to help, you know, like just lay the, the groundwork for people that come after you you know like there's a quote you know you stand on the shoulders of those who came before you kind of a deal and i feel like for everybody that follows the person with the shiny crystal clear like they wake up with you know their 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 meals prepared for them and their 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 perfectly balanced macronutrient shake and all this stuff and they have their massage therapist and their chiropractors and their weightlifting coach and their throwing coach and this and that there's you on the other end of the spectrum and it's like no you can get it done a different way because that's the one thing i feel that uh, that that there's a big detriment you know from social media is everybody tries to follow this one way of getting the job done and I feel like it, the, 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 it gets lost in trans, or not lost in translation, but it just gets lost in general that there's multiple ways to get something done. So it's really cool to see you getting stuff done. It's, it's really cool to see you get, you know, uh, the, you get things done the way you're doing it. So for, you know, going on that point or base or jumping on that, off that point, um, if there was somebody that is, you know, trying to um, think about making that, you know, that, that. I don't know, not the jump necessarily, but they want to dedicate, you know, some, some time after they graduate college to trying to pursue, you know, being one of the, the elites in the country and eventually the world. Like, what are some tips and advice and uh, things along that line, along those lines that you, that you have for them? Well, number one is make it fun. I mean, and, and that sounds so cliche, right? But you, you have to, you have to make it enjoyable because if you're, it's, it's a long process and you got to stay in it for the long haul. Um, there's very few that are, that come out of college in any given sport that are phenomenal elite athletes right right out of college. So, so you got to make your training fun and you really have to have a love for it. And those are the first, I mean, those are the first two principles, which like I said, are, are really cliche, but then persistence, persistence over time and just spending a lot of, spending a lot of time taking care of the little things that need to be taken care of, you know, and you really like, 
constantly adjusting to what you, you, you constantly have to kind of auto-regulate and adjust to what works best for you, you know, take in advice from others, but don't, for me, if you're doing it on your own, you can't really have a gospel of somebody else to follow because if you have somebody else's, you know, complete written plan and you try to follow it to a T and things aren't working for you, and but you're just trying to follow this on your own merits and by yeah. yourself, you're going to, if you start declining or ending up in a poor position, uh, you're not going to know how to get out of that. So you, you've got to kind of be able to learn from mistakes. I mean, you, you right. make them and you learn and growth right. happens. So how long have you been post-collegiate in terms of your training and your, your competitions and stuff like that? I graduated in 2014. Okay. Um, and then my first year out was one of the, I mean, it was the toughest year. And most guys say that. Um, but I, you know, I went and I got a job. I actually worked part-time to start, but I was working at FedEx and it was, those, it, I was a package handler. Yeah. I did that instead of using my college degrees. And uh, it was two o'clock in the morning till 730 and then, trying to train. And I think I only threw about 1920 or something that year. So only about 63 feet after throwing, um, 2035 or whatever in college yeah. so after throwing almost 67. And a lot of people asked me, are you going to hang it up? And I said, no, I still love it. Like I'll get better, you know, I'll get, and then the following year I threw back over 20 meters. And then, um, last year through, uh, 2070. And then this year, you know, 21, 2118. So that's it's, awesome. It's one of those things where you got to stay persistent. I mean, this sport is one that's in any strength sport. They, they're a long yeah. thing because, oh, absolutely. because you mature physically. And as long as you keep staying under the bar or keep picking up the bar, it, you're going to, you're going to continue to get stronger. If you just keep pushing it every time you go in there, you just have right. to push yeah. it the right times. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what's next for you? Um, obviously you have USA's coming up um, in a couple of weeks here or next week, right? No. Yeah. Next. No. Yeah. Next weekend. Next so week this, is US So yeah, this, this weekend, um, I'm actually going to North Dakota state, uh, to throw in a small meet. Uh, there's a couple guys that are trying to get qualified for USA's and, uh, Alex Renner, he's a shot putter from North Dakota state asked me, or he was last year. He asked me if I would come out and throw with him. So myself and my training partner, Roger are going to go out there and, and we'll throw for a little bit out there or throw for throw a small meet out there. I think around two or three o'clock on uh, nice. Saturday afternoon. And then, and then next week down to Des Moines, I'll take Friday off of work yeah. and I'll head down Friday morning and I'll compete on Saturday. And then from there, um, it'll kind of be what international meets I can get into. I've been driving my own bus for that. So getting in contact with, uh, you know, meet, meet coordinators and uh, meet directors is a little bit, it's, it's, it's more difficult than if you have an agent and uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, talk, talking to a couple of agents now to try to get that sorted out, whether or not I'll take one on, but you know, so far I've been kind of driving this bus myself. So yeah. I don't know if you can say or not, what, what meets are you trying to get into? Cause that's really interesting to me. Like the, the concept of going overseas for you guys, because people just kind of think you just, it's kind of like high school or college where you just sign up for a meet and they let you in. But like when you're at your level, like you have to be invited to compete at certain competitions. The ones that like really that pay really well and stuff like that, because their job as promoters is to put on a show for the people that are paying a ticket to come watch that competition. So where can, can you say where you're, where you're trying to head off to uh, overseas? Yeah. I mean, really, I'd love to get into one of the diamond league meets um, as, as yeah. you said, and I mean, it's nice for people to know, but those diamond league meets will pay 10,000 for first 8,000 per second. It's like 10, eight, all the way down to 500 or a thousand for, for eighth place. So I'd like to get into one of those if, if possible, those are, those are really difficult to get into given the circumstances, uh, the, with the current global, uh, hemisphere of shot put, but yeah, yeah. 
and then there's world challenge meets and there's a lot of small meets that that'll get put on overseas where you can make a couple thousand dollars where the the funding isn't there in the u.s to do those things so you know growth growth of the sport is hopefully social media will help and yeah and growing the sport and getting people excited about it is what's going to make money you know because i mean even just getting a couple hundred people to show up and pay 15 or 20 dollars um a seat to to watch to watch a track and field event uh that that's going to help you know fund the athletes and and us be able to make oh, money on it and make it more of a full-time thing absolutely so last question before we move on into our lightning round stuff who was your guy that you looked up to you were always watching videos trying to get all digest as much information from them as possible um growing up <laughs> believe it or not i didn't necessarily have one specifically i love i love reese not necessarily for uh technically his technique doesn't work for me because he's five ten or five eleven and i'm yeah. six five but for for the consistency that he put out year yeah. year in and year out for yeah there he was he was one of the guys I, I was gonna say i think they said he was one of the guys that had like the longest streak of meets over 21 meters for a while there i i i believe with uh, especially around the time that he medaled at the olympics and stuff like that am i correct yeah i think still currently and i'm sure it'll get broken here soon but he did have the most 21 meter throws by any shot putter ever 21 meter meets so i mean his consistency is something to definitely be marveled at and something to look up to but that for me i watched everybody i mean i'd get a hard time from my college roommate because we would i'd watch videos three or four oh, hours God, yeah. i'd watch yeah. i mean i know i know names of people no one's ever heard of you know oh, so probably, that's yeah. how i grew so is there anybody up and coming that we should be aware of that you think is going to be like a really big deal do you pay attention but do you look behind you pay attention like in that sense like any high school college athletes that are coming up right now that you think are going to really make some waves or do you just focus on you and, and what you got to do to get the get the job done I mean, I pay attention to the sport globally. So, you know, all the way down to collegiately, all all the way down to high school, you know, I try to watch everything. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of good collegiate kids right now. I mean, um, Jordan Geist and uh, Trip, I don't know how to say his last name, Pip Airy or whatever from Texas. They both threw Geist through 70 feet this year as a freshman in college. And uh, Chip, I think, threw just under 67 feet. So that's obviously really good. Um, they, They do have a higher training age. Uh, what, what you'll see oftentimes collegiately is those guys throw really well younger and then yeah. they, they don't have that huge curve that a guy that might throw 59 feet as a freshman um, could throw 69 feet as a senior. Uh, the North Dakota State kid, um, Peyton Otterdale, yeah. he's yeah. thrown really well. So there's there's a lot of really good kids out there. And That's awesome. It's just a matter of the same thing for them, though, you know stay persistent and, and kind of know that everything's not going to get handed to you after college. So right. you just got to be, you've got to be prepared for that. And someone's got to, hopefully you can, you have someone on your side to give you that reality check before you get out of college. So, you know, it's coming yeah. because some people don't, and then their expectations are significantly different than the reality that they come into. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's a good note to end on. All right. We're going to take a break real quick and we're going to get the word from our sponsors and we're going to head off into the lightning round. Okay. Athletes. Let's take a quick break from the show to talk about the snatch. Oh yes, the snatch. The lift that you either love or hate. I struggled with my lift for so long. I had the strength, but my technique sucked. Like, it really sucked. I would not encourage you to watch any of the old Cal Strength or MDUSA videos on YouTube, but if you do, it's out there, looking awful. 
After years of muscling through it, I got serious about making my lift look better. I wrote up a plan, and for 30 days, I spent 10 to 15 minutes daily doing some drills and exercises. Wouldn't you know it, but the consistency pays off. Sure, maybe my snatch doesn't look like Harrison Mars, but it looked a hell of a lot better. And if you struggle with your pull or your lockout, or you're just constantly getting thrown back by the bar, I want you to go to snatch.thestrengthagenda.com. My training plan, 30 Days to a Better Snatch, is there for free. Just drop your name and your email, and you'll get the whole plan I use and use on my lifters to go from struggle bus to smooth sailing in a month. Every day you'll get an email from me with videos to the exercises I want you to do, complete with instructions and cues to focus on. Seriously, if I could go back in time and have 2012 Tom do this, I would. I spent far too long fighting that bar instead of making it work for me. Snatch.thestrengthagenda.com. Think of where you could be in a month. All right, lightning round time. So these questions have absolutely nothing to do with anything. Just give me the first answer that comes to your mind. Uh, we kind of poll people at the beginning of each season. Um, some of these questions are carried over from a couple of seasons before. Um, first question up for you. If you're a WWE wrestler, I'm a big WWE fan. Um, what is your name? What's your walkout music? Oh, man. I don't know. I'd, I'd probably be the ogre because that's what people call me. Yeah. Um, it, it'd be... Uh, it'd be some sort of country song. I'm just not sure. It'd probably be an old Waylon Jennings song, but I, I can't. Would you, wear, would you wear a hat or anything like that in boots or no? No, you know, I'm not that cliche, but I'm okay. just kind of a big old, big old half redneck, I guess you'd say. There you go. That's good. That's good. All right. Maybe old red. Might be old red. There you go. That's a, that's a newer song, but a great song. There you go. Good. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, if you could walk up to any person, any person in the, you know, in the world, present, past, dead, whatever, um, no repercussions at all. You walk up to that person, you kick them square in the shins, nothing's going to happen to you. Who's it going to be and why? Oh, man, it'd have to be – oh, that's that's a difficult one. Um, it, it's got to be some sort of celebrity now, um, probably one of the Kardashians or something because <laughs> that whole thing drives me nuts. That Just all that kind of stuff drives me insane, the, the reality TV so stuff. so popular and they don't do oh. anything. Oh gosh, yes, I mean, exactly. They got their businesses or whatever, but for the most part, they got popular with shenanigans. Yeah, with some real, some real low lying shenanigans, nonetheless. Yeah. All right, who's winning in a fight, Batman or Spider Man? And I did not say Superman. I'm Spider Man, Batman and Spider Man. Who's winning? You know, I'm not. I I don't follow the the uh, what it, I follow the Marvels guys a little bit, but. As far as that goes, I'm going to go ahead and say, you said Superman or Batman? Did you say Superman or Spider-Man? Spider-Man or Batman. I'm going to go with Spider-Man because he actually has powers, even though people say that, people always say that Batman's too intelligent will beat everybody. I'm going with, I'm going with Spider-Man. I can do, I can do Spider-Man. I can do Spider-Man. All right. Last question I'll leave you out here on. Okay. Uh, You got a map of the United States. Every state on this map is a little button. You push the button and that state is eliminated forever. What state are you eliminating and why? California, because I <laughs> well, because I can't. Break off. They're about to break off anyways, aren't they? Like, there's a whole state just gonna keep away. hoping. Yeah, float <laughs> away hoping. and drift off into the Pacific Ocean. There, I know. I know. I tried to drive my old truck into California once, and my diesel emissions didn't pass their standard tests. So yeah, they're they they're super strict on the uh, with the car emissions and stuff like that over there in California. Like I remember when I lived in Cal Strength, or when I lived 
in San Ramon um, when I was training at Cal Strength. Like I, I was told not to register my vehicle because otherwise it's like every couple months you got to go do an emissions test or whatever is mandated by the state and stuff. And like, they're really crazy about the emissions and things over there, which I get it. There's a lot of people over there. Like they're so landlocked. They got right. to they they do what they can to try to make things better. And that's the thing is I got a lot of people in California. I love get them off, of, you know, yeah. get the people off of California, but get rid of the state yeah. because that, that congestion just doesn't fit me. doesn't no. fit my bill at all. Oh, I'm not God, good no. with that kind of congestion. So I take it you never travel around Chicago very much then. I grew up three hours from Chicago. I think I've been there maybe three or four times in my life. And right. it just makes me uncomfortable as soon as I get there. I just, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not big on having that many people right, around. Right. All right. So for anybody that wants to find you and anything like that, um, any, any companies you work with, websites, stuff like that, uh, what are some, where are some places they can find you? How can they get a hold of you? Um, my, so my Instagram handle, I've had that for about six months now. It's grip and rip, uh, underscore USA. And that was actually made by my girlfriend. Nice. Uh, and then on Facebook, um, my name is just Kurt Jensen, but I have a throwing page, a Kurt Jensen throwing page. And my sponsor is Velasa. You should go check out those shoes. The, yes. the strakes were just starting to ship the Velasa strakes. I'll have a pair and be wearing them in my, any of my lifting videos going forward here, probably within the next week or so. They got, they got that traditional wood heel, which is just sounds better when people lift with a wood heel. And you can get them custom engraved uh, with something in the heel for whatever your nickname is or whatever you want to have custom engraved. So awesome. with, and then uh, custom colors, you can pick out your different stains and, and select your heel from that. That's pretty so, cool. But yeah, um, those are, that's kind of my contact cool. information and that's a little bit of my sponsor. So. All right, good deal. Well, I appreciate you having on, man. Um, hopefully we can get more people paying attention to you because you're somebody I think people need to be watching and keeping an eye out for. Cause I think you're just going to, you're going to sneak up on people at some point. They're going to be like, who is this guy? And I'm going to sit here and be like, I told you, I freaking told you. <laughs> but, uh, I'm just, uh, go ahead. Just, just, just guy trying to get better out there. Just hey, like everybody else. You're doing a great job of it, my man. Thank you very much for being on. I really appreciate it, my man. Oh, no problem. Anytime. All right, man. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.